0: Hello and welcome to the Interabang podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. I thought we weren't in Kansas anymore. Everyone, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me once again. We've got an amazing guest coming up later in the episode, but first, here's what's making news at Fanshawe this week. Doug Ford has won his second term as the Premier of Ontario. The Progressive Conservative Party has won another majority government, winning a total of 83 seats. The NDPs finished in second place, earning a total of 31 seats. The Liberals, led by Stephen Del Duca, suffered the most last night, earning just eight seats, failing to achieve party status. The Greens held their one riding in Guelph, as voters there re-elected party leader Mike Schreiner. Both Del Duca and NDP party leader Andrea Horvath announced they would be stepping down from their roles in the aftermath of the election. Here at home, NDP incumbent Terence Kernahan won in his riding of London North Centre. Fellow NDP incumbent Peggy Sattler won in London West, and Teresa Armstrong, another NDP incumbent, won in London Fanshawe. The Holy Roller rolled on home this week. The refurbished World War II tank made the long journey back to Victoria Park after a year-long restoration project. The project, led by Gary Cambridge, was conducted right here at Fanshawe College, which is well known for being a military-connected college. On Tuesday, the tank was safely returned home to Victoria Park with a new paint job and a few updates. It was met with cheers and applause by onlookers. You can watch a video right now on our website showing the moment the roller arrived. Western professor Catherine Hibbert is helping make a difference in the life of a Ukrainian refugee. Hibbert, a professor in the Faculty of Education at Western University, says she found 20-year-old Andrey on social media. The Ukrainian Marine had put a call out asking for a host in Canada after Russia attacked Ukraine. Hibbert's family had previously helped house a family from Vietnam, which she says factored into her decision to take in Andriy. Now, she is helping the young Ukrainian find work and settle in here in London. You can read the full story right now on our website. Now, who could forget the absolutely wild storm that touched down here in London a couple weeks back? May 21st saw the region's first derecho storm since 1999. And it wasn't long after that that researchers at Western University determined that, in fact, two EF-1 tornadoes had touched down, one not far from Fanshawe College. David Sills is the executive director behind the Northern Tornadoes Project, and he's here today to tell us what happened and how his team was able to determine just how severe this storm got. Uh, David Sills, welcome to the Aterabank podcast.
1: Well, thanks, Anna. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Um, maybe before we get into the um, some questions here, if you could just let the people know a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do.
1: Sure. So I'm the executive director of Northern Tornadoes Project. Uh, got it started in 2017. Uh, founded by Western and a social impact fund out of Toronto called Impact WX. They provide most of the funding, uh, and the the idea is that through various studies, we found that a lot of the tornadoes that are occurring across the country, they're occurring in areas farther away from urban centers and basically in uh, forests across the country and uh, across the prairies where they just, they don't hit a lot of things. Um, so the idea was to come up with a program that could give us a, a better sense of how often tornadoes occur in Canada, where they occur, how intense. and make all of that data available publicly through our open data portal. That's
0: amazing. Now, looking back to this uh, this storm that touched down a couple of weeks ago now, I feel like everyone that I talked to has a story of where they were and what they saw when this storm touched down. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience on May 21st?
1: Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm on a, a, a forecast team for the project that uh, you know, every day we put out an outlook for tornadoes so that, so that our field teams know to be prepared to head out in an airplane and go across the country and that kind of thing. So we knew that there was a severe weather potential, mostly in Eastern Ontario, Ontario and in Quebec that day. Uh, when I went to take a look at the forecast in the morning, I noticed there was this line of thunderstorms uh, coming through the Windsor area. And I'm from Windsor originally and have family there. And they usually depend on me to let them know when things are happening. So if something's happening down there, I better better know about it and let them know. Um, so I had a good look at it. And it was, you know, a garden variety storm, basically. That It was a line of storms, but it, it wasn't that strong and hadn't caused that much in the way of damage. And still let my folks know about it and that kind of thing. And uh, didn't think much about it because usually those storms... In the morning. Was, I think that was about 9.30 in the morning. Usually those fade out by you know 11 or, or 11.30 in the morning and, and then you wait for the, the afternoon convection to kick in when uh, when the daytime heating really is at its maximum. So I, I didn't think much about it when I did some yard work in the back and uh, all of a sudden it got really dark and I'm, I'm hearing thunder. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? That thing should have died out an hour ago and headed back inside and took a look and noticed that, boy, it really increased in intensity. It was just about to hit. And uh, when it did hit, it was a wall of water and wind. uh, Like I'm sure a lot of people experienced across London. And actually I watched a big branch come down on my neighbor's uh, roof across the street. And so I knew at that point that this is, this is not just your normal, uh, morning thunderstorm, and so I, I tweeted out to on storm, which I know the weather office monitors that hey this is this is a bigger storm than uh, you know than we thought, and uh, from there it just seemed to really pick up steam. By the time I got into Kitchener, there was a gust of wind to 132 kilometers per hour. Um, the Environment Canada was issuing uh, basically an extreme thunderstorm warning, and it went out on people's uh, cell phones. And again, picked up even more steam as it gust past the GTA and ended up causing a lot of damage uh, east of Toronto and into the Ottawa area. And, and uh, the Ottawa area basically says that they haven't had a storm take up their electrical network uh, like this one did. Even um, the big tornadoes there in 2018, even the ice storm of 1998 didn't do as much damage as this storm did. So that just tells you how powerful this storm was, and, and not to mention the, the injuries and fatalities. There were 11, 11 fatalities associated with the storm, basically people who just couldn't get out of the way fast enough and were hit by trees or their, their boat sank or this kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's it was a really intense storm and uh, something we haven't seen in this area for quite some time.
0: Right, because this, this was a specific... Type of storm, right? And I'm—I I'm, might butcher this pronunciation, but this is a derecho storm. Is that correct?
1: A derecho, that's right. Right. So, uh,
0: yeah, what is that? And when, when's the last time we experienced something like this in southwestern Ontario?
1: They happen in the U.S. fairly commonly, uh, but they don't—and they don't affect us in uh, in eastern Canada all that much. Usually, uh, in the 1990s, that was the last run of really significant derecho that, that hit our area um, after that we've we've kind of got the tail end of a couple of them uh, that happened in the U.S. or they just started in, in the, on the pain side and then did the worst damage in the U.S. so it, it was really those ones in the 90s that were, were big and I, probably people they actually remember the term derecho for a while after those ones in the 90s and then just forgot about it it seems like it's a new thing and uh, for a new generation here in uh, 2022. But uh, just to say durate shows aren't really all that common in Southern Canada. They, they have not occurred. They haven't occurred in May even. Uh, it's just we haven't had one come through in a long time. It's certainly not one that moved from the Southwest to the Northeast and through basically 41% of the population of Canada. <laughs> That's, um, you know, it's a, basically an extreme form.
0: Yeah, like what what factors kind of, lead to a storm like that?
1: They tend to form on the northern edge of a uh, heat dome. And uh, maybe you heard the term heat, heat dome last year with the, the big uh, heat and wildfire situation out in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. and southern British Columbia. Okay. But basically a high pressure area with really strong um, uh, or really high temperatures uh, underneath that high pressure area. And so in that area there're no storms will form because it's a high pressure area but along the, the edges of it particularly the northern edge uh, the the, insta- the 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 heat and the moisture leads to extreme instability along that the edge where storms can form and so you get these these storms like a derecho that just basically track along the edge of the heat dome and um, and and can go for a long time even overnight they just they just uh, uh, really tap into all of that heat and, and uh, instability that's captured under that dome that can't be used within the dome, but make it out to the edge of the dome.
0: Wow. So, I mean, as this storm is whipping through, myself living in Woodfield, and I'm sure as folks living in Huron Heights as well, we're, we're probably thinking to themselves that this looks and feels like an actual tornado out here. Were you thinking that at the time at all?
1: No, because... Uh, the type of storm that I could see had come through Windsor and was coming through uh, the London area, it was like a, a bowed line of storms. And that's, that's fairly typical, uh, or, or what, what's fairly typical, typically generated by that kind of a storm is just really strong winds, like downburst winds. Uh, and, and not so much tornadoes. Sometimes you get tornadoes on the leading edge um and that's what happened here but most of the damage is usually caused by the downburst winds associated with the the rain cool air coming in behind the storm and and moving out ahead Uh, so that's what i was expecting and certainly when it came through you know the winds were mixed with rain and that that's usually an indicator that it's this big downburst coming through Um, but looking back at the radar we did find that there was a couple areas along the leading edge that um were had some had a bit of rotation in them and uh, you can get these little spin ups along the leading edge of these big uh, bowed storms and that's what happened we we actually had two tornadoes just within minutes of each other in the london area uh, one in the northeast end and one in the south end that happened uh, underneath of these little uh, areas of rotation that we could see on radar and they just lasted uh, no more than 10 minutes they, they just kind of occur and happen quickly and then it disappears from radar and the, the tornadoes themselves, the, the path lengths are, uh, in the Northeast, it was, uh, 5.7 kilometers in the South, it was 3.4 kilometers. And when this storm was moving, it was really fast, 90 to hundred kilometers an hour that, that probably only took like one or two, two minutes to go through it at, 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 most. And, uh, the widths on these things were also, you know, 400, 450 meters. So it affected it was just an enhanced area of damage over a, na- a long narrow region and that's what we tend to look for uh, when we do damage surveys to determine whether it's damage due to a tornado or damage due to a downburst so we didn't we didn't find that in the Woodfield area and there were some other areas with uh, damage to the southwest of London um, we, we didn't find that narrow long, narrow path, but in the Huron Heights area and the Wilton Grove area on the south side, we did find uh, those, that long, narrow path.
0: Wow. Yeah. Those map, map images just showing like a straight line down Huron, it was just yeah. w- wild. And it, you mentioned like the speed too, I, I was taken aback even just watching this storm at how quickly it seemed to like come and go and yet leave so much damage behind. Um, what was some of the, the worst damage that you heard about or saw, I understand, in, in Huron even somewhere had the roof taken off of it?
1: Well, I, I actually in, was directing teams the next day as far as sur- survey teams going out and assessing damage. Um, and the worst damage was in Uxbridge, northeast of uh, Toronto, and in the southern part of Ottawa from Mr. Rachel. So I was, I was directing teams out going out that way. And dealing with a million media calls, uh, there was all all the media interest was uh, was coming uh, to me for some reason. Um, the so I thought I, I had a little bit of time between interviews, and I thought, well, I'd like to get out to see some of this damage, and um, and just you know see if it was dramatic or not. So I had basically I took a couple hours out of the day and went and had a look in these different locations where the power was still out, so you knew that there was a lot of um, there had been a lot of damage there and in in Heights yeah there was um, part of a a, part of an apartment roof that was laying in the road Uh, so obviously and I think that was uh, it was between Highbury and Clark Road somewhere right near the middle there and um, usually the, the the apartment apartment roof will just kind of peel off a little bit But in this case, there was actually a chunk of the roof that that came off and was sitting in the middle of the road. But some of the tree damage was really impressive. There was one road where there were four or five really old, really large trees that were down all in the same direction um, and somehow missed the houses. That (laughs) They were all right near the edge of the road. So when they fell, they just missed the houses. And uh, yeah, some really impressive uh, wind damage to trees. But there was also damage at the airport uh, there was a flipped plane and uh, some damage to buildings there. Um, so yeah, that that was uh, the extent of the damage there. When when I went to the south side, there was one industrial building that had its entire roof ripped off and part of its wall collapsed, and so that was that was pretty impressive. Um, that's that's getting up close to uh, EF-2 actually. So EF-1 goes from 135 to 175 kilometers per hour and EF-2 is 180 to 240, and or sorry, 180 to 220. And uh, this was getting close to EF-2, but not quite. It was uh, up near 175 kilometers per hour. So very top end of EF-1. Um, And that also caused damage to uh, a big power pole. It was leaning over. There was debris all over the place from uh, various factories. Uh, trees were down and so on. So, you know, the damage from, from these tornadoes, they're both EF1s, uh, it was, you know, significant, but, you know, nobody was hurt and, and all that can be fixed. The, the damage in Uxbridge was from an EF2 tornado and that tore the roof off homes, flipped cars. It was quite a bit worse than what we saw here in London um and they declared a a state of emergency there
0: i feel like somehow we we lucked out here at the college sort of right in between all of these things and uh yeah (laughs) managed to avoid any damage out here um you know whenever these kinds of extreme weather or what feel like extreme weather moments happen i think a lot of people have questions related to climate change um is there any indication based on your research that these types of storms, these derechos that are bringing these tornadoes with them, are increasing in this region? Does, does climate change have any impact on that at all?
1: Well, I'll say a few things about that. Um, first, just in general about tornadoes. I just did a study recently looking at southern Ontario tornadoes and trends. And, and it's the, actually the best database in all of Canada is what we have in southern Ontario. It goes all the way back to the late 1700s. Uh, So we used that data to look for long-term trends, and we found that the number of weak tornadoes being reported is going up and up, and that's because more people are reporting them, there's more cell phone cameras, and so on. But the number of significant tornadoes that people would have even seen and noticed and and documented back in the the 1800s really hasn't changed that much. It's it's kind of flat. So the, the number of tornadoes and the intensity doesn't seem to be changing all that much in southern Ontario. But what we did notice is that there was a trend towards them occurring later in the season so less less tornadoes in the spring um, and more which is where most of our big tornadoes used to occur and um, more emphasis on the big events uh, near the end of the year and into August and even September so that was that was an interesting trend um, and whether it's due to climate change or not, we didn't study that part, but it is, one thing we do know that's happening with climate change is that the Great Lakes are warming. And the Great Lakes obviously have a big impact on the temperature of the air over Southern Ontario, given, you know, we're surrounded by lakes. Um, so there may be a connection there that the, the warmer lakes are leading to a longer season in the fall for us, and we will be looking into that. Um, about the rate shows though, um they occur so so rarely that we we don't have enough of a documented um database to really get any kind of trend out of it so all i can say is that um we know that they occur along the northern edges of these heat domes and we do know that heat and heat domes are increasing due to climate change and that you know those those kinds of events like heat domes uh, an example being the one in BC, uh, are moving north. They're they're happening more more often in, in in southern Canada. So you know, put those things together, and it certainly seems like we we could get more um, more of these derechos and, and these types of storms uh, due to the fact that climate change is is pushing all of that warm air a bit further north than it used to. That, that's about as far as we can go right now. We. We don't have a lot of data or or, uh, climate projections that deal directly with things on the scale of a thunderstorm or tornado or um, even hail really. So it's really hard to know what the impacts on those things will be due to climate change. But we can see from other other variables that um, are more easily studied like, like heat, and like precipitation, that there are going to be changes and for sure there, there will be changes to tornadoes or derechos, it's just we don't know exactly what um, and, and it probably will be very regional in nature. Some areas will go up, some areas will go down. One, one trend that we seem to be seeing over the last few decades is that we seem to be getting more tornadoes in the eastern part of the country and less in the prairies. And uh, we've certainly seen that in the last five, six years with NTP. Uh, Last year was so quiet on the prairies, there were no tornadoes during the peak period for tornadoes in the prairies last year. Um, Whether it was due to drought or wildfires or, you know, wildfire smoke, uh, it's not totally clear, but we had a record tornado season last year in Ontario and a, a record lack of tornadoes in the prairies last year. So, you know, things do seem to be changing. It, it's not going to be national, you know, the same way same way across the country that changes are, are happening. It's going to be very regional. And that's what we want to try to pick out with all of the tornado and wind damage data that we're collecting with NTP.
0: I was just going to say it's really awesome that we have you and the team at NTP keeping track of all of this for us. Um, It's really awesome. The work that you guys do, I I guess, just lastly here, is there anything else that you'd like to add, whether, um, you know, about, about this storm or even just looking ahead to the, to the rest of this season?
1: Yeah. It's even harder to to try to predict uh, (laughs) what'll happen during the coming summer. Everybody asks that. So what does this pretend (laughs) for the coming summer? And it, it's really, you know, severe weather forecasting. It because it's so localized, it's really difficult to forecast into the future uh, beyond a few days. So, really, I can't say much about the coming season. Um, but just just in general, I think um, we have we have to be better at building things in, in Ontario with the knowledge that things are likely going to change here in the future with climate change. And uh, that's, that's part of what NTP and, and the group at Western is, is doing is trying to come up with ways to make uh, buildings and infrastructure more storm resilient, uh, whether that means adding hurricane clips during construction so that the roof is held onto the walls better or using longer nails so that the, uh, the roof panels hold on longer or other suggested changes to the building code. Um, you know, these are all things that will, will help, um, people in Ontario and across Canada, um, weather storms a lot better.
0: Yes. Got to build those climate resilient communities. Uh, frequent listeners of the Interabing podcast will know this topic very well. <laughs> right,
1: right. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate you taking the time today.
1: Oh, my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interrobang podcast. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For the Interabang, I'm Hannah Theodore.